The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. I had Farrell on the bench with you. Uh, so I saw tonight before the uh, draft that uh, the great uh, Rob Manfred, uh, what a gem this guy is, honestly. I really, there's something about him. I just want to punch him in the face. You know, he's just a smart ass. Honestly, dude. So he said, uh, I saw him tonight, Carver High, in an interview. You know what he said? Like, word for word, he said to the guy, I'm not going to tell you anything. <laughs> he's, he's like, he talked to him like he was a dog. He's like, do you think I'm going to sit here and answer your questions? <laughs> He's like, he literally said to him, word for word, he said, I'm not going to tell you anything. Because he asked him about the, the you know, yeah. the union and the league owners fighting. And he's like, when are you guys going to get down to business? And he's like, do you seriously think I'm going to tell you anything? Right. Like, he, he gave him the, you're a media scum, and I'm not, I'm not giving you anything. Like, at least... Can you at least be on your big night, your big draft night that nobody gives a rat's ass about? Can you at least be polite with the people that actually sell your boring ass morphine sport? I mean, is that the morphine drip of all watching baseball anymore? Christ, if I didn't honestly, like, here's the deal. Baseball game or chicks and G-strings at the beach? You know, what do you what do you want to watch? I'll tell you what, I would rather watch uh, chicks on the beach at surfing events in surfing videos where I'm watching like my boy Makua Rothman or any of these guys, Laird Hamilton, you know, Kelly Slater, watching these guys barrel and, and the best, you know, uh, surfers in the world. And then they, you know, once every five or 10 minutes, they show the beach and chicks and like G strings walking around watching them surf. What would you rather watch? You're going to watch baseball over that? Believe me, your life is over, is what it is. Like, Rob, you're perfect for the job, you boring-ass commissioner. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you. Because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. 
And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn, and most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Pharrell on the bench, 844, toll free, 843-6879. So 844-843-6879 gets you on the bench. So let me just be clear. We do uh, a TV show every day from 4 to 6. You can get that as well. Coast to Coast is the name of it. And it's on SportsGrid. Check it out, and you can see it on a million different avenues. It, the Sports Grid app, Zumo, Pluto, Stir, Roku, you name it, it's everywhere. We got our own YouTube page. Just look up Sports Grid. Look even up uh, Pharrell Coast to Coast on YouTube. You'll see it. And then get in this Pharrella chat room, this Pharrella pub, the, uh, the YouTube Sports Grid radio hizzy. Get into that and you'll be styling. So pick it up, dial and dance if you want to talk to me. And then uh, Crazy Bob in Vermont. Is that right? I think we're going there next. How you doing, Scott? Bob, what's going on? Good. It's nice to see you back. Do you have the pub? Do you have some beer? Actually, uh, <laughs> you still do that enough. We're doing that. We're working on the uh, the hoses in the oh. bar. Been uh, unobtainable in terms of uh, getting those hoses hooked up to the cakes and into the Florida pub. Having those lines run through the uh, you know real estate that we're dealing with here, and then to have those lines run into the Florida pub has been somewhat of a conundrum for us at this point. But hopefully, we'll get the bar flowing soon. And if we don't, then there's going to be problems. Well, I remember I called you one Super Bowl night, and then you did that for me. I think a lot of teachers they say to me. Uh, I'll be whatever out playing ball or something. In fact, the other day I was playing ball outside with a bunch of people I didn't know. And, uh, I was filling it up. Next thing you know, this guy says to me, he goes, you used to pour me beers on that radio show. I was like, yeah, I did. I poured beers for everybody. The Ferrella pub is, uh, flowing freely and it's awesome. And it has been forever. Imagine what they thought of me in the eighties uh, and nineties and stuff like that when I was doing it. And, uh, it was blasphemy to them. They, uh, you would have thought I was a heroin dealer or that I was selling crack to children, uh, the way they treated me because I played, uh, heavy metal music, and I played, uh, you know, the sounds of beer being poured and shots in a bar. That got people all kinds of riled up. I mean, I was the antichrist on the radio. I mean, they treated me like I was some kind of felon. I should have been in Leavenworth because I poured beer and what played the hell poor music. 
Yeah, look what Howard, Howard Stern does on the radio. I work oh, for him, God. too. I, I work for him, too. What haven't I done? Honestly, like I've done it all. And then, you know, you got to uh, imagine what it was like going way back when Howard and I were doing uh, like this was radio before, you know, they they ruined it. And then, uh, you know, came up with all of their rules and all these federal agencies chasing people down and just uh, turning it into a disaster. I mean, I remember when, you know, frankly, stations were cool. And they played cool music and they had like, you know, cool hosts and stuff like that. <laughs> I remember a day when that was happening. And I mean, my, and Carver, I know it's true. They've even seen it with me on the air. Carver, am I making this stuff up? Do you remember when like K-Rock was in New York, how cool it was? It was the best. And then what, the what best. did they do to that? They ruined it. They absolutely they, ruined it. They completely ruined it. I mean, they got a story like that in every city in, in uh, North America, right? Like they had a great station and then the wrong people got their hands on it and they ruined it. Is that about right? That is 100% accurate. They Listen, have I'm not never even been the sure. same since. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like that doesn't have any bearing on me doing this show, me doing radio, me doing sports talk, me doing late night, me doing anything. It's the reality of it. Like everyone, even the people that I work for now, these people, know, they were, you know, kind of, I think most of them, like the suits that run these networks, they all know me and I know them. I know one guy like 30 years and uh, believe me, you, he's just like me. And, uh, you know, he's in San Francisco and this dude knows every cool station that ever was out in the Bay Area. They ruined all of those, too. I mean, that's what they do. They just they they let I hate to say it. I mean, it's just it's it's hard to swallow, but they let idiots run them and then the idiots run them into the ground. I mean, that's just the bottom line. At some at some level, is it really that hard? Is it really that hard to have like a kick ass station? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, can, is it really? I mean, are you operating on somebody's brain or anything? Is there? Are you taking a heart out of a chest and fixing some valves? No, you play cool music. You have cool people on the air, and you go sell it and make money. And don't tell me it's it's not that easy because I've seen it happen. <laughs> hey, Carbrai, how much money did that station make back in the day in New York? They made all the money. Well, everything. All the money flowed through there. Flowed That's through. That's right. And then now what does it make besides nothing? Zero. Zero. <laughs> Bluto. So uh, I don't even remember the question. Do you, Carbrai? I just, I think it was something about me pouring beer and how that even became sacrilege to do on the radio. Meanwhile, it was like so soft. It was like so generic, like, wow, big deal. The guy pours beers for everybody. But it became an international phenomenon. Like it was like everyone was doing it. Everyone loved calling my show and drinking. And that got all kinds of right wingers and, and church people upset. And they got all lathered up about me. And then they sicked the federal government on me. That's what they did. And they chased me around like I was a mobster. Tell them, Carver, I'm not making this stuff up. These are all facts. I mean, everything that you're saying right now, it all happened. All of it happened. All of it happened. All right. Uh, let's get on to some other stuff here, because what do I got? How much? Uh, I got like the rest of this hour, right? Very uh, interesting. The show is two hours every night. You can watch it on your screen. You can watch it on your iPad. You can watch it on your TV, smart TV, whatever you want. You can watch this show. All you got to do is get that YouTube search sports group radio page. Boom, you're in, right? Carver High, is that about right? 
You have absolutely put all the steps that are necessary to get involved in the program. You have laid them out for everybody. <laughs> so just go to that page and you can watch it every night. And then I sit here at this exact time. I am now, just so you know, as an audience, everywhere all over the world, even in the Afghani mountains, they're listening. Here's the deal. I have so many things I can't say that I'm scared to death to say anything. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> Carver, I didn't even tell me, don't mention times, don't mention names, <laughs> don't mention networks, don't mention what day it is, don't mention what hour it is, don't mention your family, don't mention my family, don't talk about your dog. Have you not given me a, a dynamic array, a list of things I cannot say? I definitely told you to not mention the dog. That definitely, I definitely brought that up. I'm going to have to hang a like a bandana or like some kind of a wall hanging on this chest in front of me. So I have this giant chest that holds the camera up, right? And I'm looking at it right now. And it, if I, I could use that side of that piece of furniture as like a, a chalkboard for all the things I have to remember. As you know, I don't believe in rules and such. We need to, you know what we should have did? We should have just got you the whiteboard that we got you for the Meadowlands and we were doing coast to coast there. Uh, you should have just brought that to your house for this setup. You could have just wrote on the whiteboard all the things that to remember, the things to remember list. Right. How about uh, what are the what are the FanDuel betting odds that have uh, been released on the odds of all of our stuff that was at the uh, studio there being stolen? What are the odds? <laughs> I'm sure everything is nice. Whiteboard's gone. You know, some some guy took that home from the horse book because he knew he could do his like grocery lists on it and the shows he wants to tape and and what he wants to binge watch. He can use it as the same concept. He stole my, you know, chalkboard for my things to do list. <laughs> I have so much to do. I can't even get to the sports items of the day. Very important thing. I'm thinking about giving you all of the draft picks of every team, and I've decided against it that quickly. I was going to do it, and then I thought, wasted time now. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood... We bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.
Hi, right, bro. With you. So LeBron, Trey Young, and some other stars are forming a group to help protect African Americans' voting rights. In a story that uh, is running in the New York Times. So LeBron and uh, Trey Young and others are forming uh, this group, and they're very excited about it. Everybody's uh, getting involved now, which is a great sign for the world. I saw uh, Philly's first-round pick. Uh, this kid ends up, uh, Mick Abel, ends up getting a phone call. I believe he got uh, FaceTimed by Bryce Harper after he was uh, selected in the first round of the Major League Draft tonight with uh, Mr. Friendly, Rob Manfred. I'm not answering your questions. Answer the question, jerk. Anyway, uh, does anyone care if the commissioner of baseball answers questions or not? Does any like I, when the guy talks, I cringe because he's just just absolutely just like filming a porno for the owners, is he not? And uh, the players, I've said this on the show already. I, Tony Clark swinging a miss. It's just like when you played. You are a disaster running that union. And I got to tell you, like you were a disaster as a player. So it's, I guess you're just par for the course. <laughs> you're doing a great job of duplicating your career. Carver, am I, am I, honestly, am I that wrong? I mean, what am I supposed to be nice to everybody? I mean, you could be nice to somebody. <laughs> right? I mean, you could be nice to somebody, right? Well, I'm hoping to find somebody to be nice to. At this point, I mean, you're pretty nice to me, so I can't. I mean, I guess I'm on the good list, so I don't do anything to you. No, um, I, I just for one second, I'm looking for a good story or a person to be good to. I still haven't found him yet, although I just missed catching a 422 pound blue marlin. It appears as though Michael Jordan's uh boat has just sprayed our entire dock in a drive-by after catching a 422-pound blue marlin. How about that marlin, man? Jeez. I mean, honestly, that's insane. That's a party right there. That is a party. Do you think that if you went on the deep-sea fishing uh, marlin expedition that you would – because I know you drink like 12 Bud Lights at least. Do you think you would get um, in the deep sea – deep where you're catching a 420 pound marlin when you're out that deep uh, you're going up and down like a french hooker i'm talking about do you think you'd hurl if you were on the marlin expedition i I won't go on any marlin expedition i tried this once back in in punta cana back back i went to punta cana in um no no eight oh eight or oh nine somewhere around there and this happened i went out on one of these uh you know we're gonna go big game hunting we're going out on a you know, a big fishing boat, you know, we're taking, this is what happened there. Cause it was a big trip. There was a lot of guys on this trip. Um, a lot of families, it was like the fire department, local fire departments, like hundredth anniversary, huge trip. There must've been 200 people of, on this trip. A lot of drinking. So there was me and probably like, you know, 25 other guys. And we're like, we're going to do this, uh, you know, big game hunting. We know this guy, he's got this, uh, it takes you out to get big fish and they go, okay, this sounds great. So of course I'm drinking my face off every single day during this trip and I was actually in a nice groove. You know, I was playing golf every morning. I was getting nice and lit up. And then, uh, you know, these guys talked me into this dopey fishing trip. I wanted nothing to do with it at all. 
And right. uh, we wake up in the morning, you know, me, my dad, a couple other guy cousins, things like that. And they drag me out on this boat. And I didn't last. And I ain't the only one, okay? 80% of the guys who went, uh, we didn't even get out to where they wanted us to fish. Uh, it was a, it, this boat was rocking, man. I mean, we were going up and down. And I mean, I just woke up. I mean, I, I probably slept an hour and a half drinking all night at this resort in Punta Cana. And right. it was over for me. It was over for everybody. Three boats we had, two of them went back to shore. One of them stayed out there. The guys forced the guys that were getting sick on the boat to go out and try to catch this marlin out in Punta Cana. Uh, right. And that was it. My whole trip was shot. The last three days, I couldn't do anything. I was in my room so all the time. <laughs> so, wait. so wait, did they ever catch the fish? And so when you got back to shore, shipped to shore, you had seasickness. So you're telling me that it lingered for three days? Three days. I was done. This was this trip was a Sunday to Sunday. I think that the fit that the fishing expedition was Thursday. I was useless Friday, Saturday, and then going home Sunday. I was and what like, about so when you? Because I've been to that airport there where they just are like sardines. The people they oh. have them, they're just everywhere. <laughs> so you're and they make you stand outside, right? And then uh, and everybody's standing there with their bags and everything. And then when they when they when you fly out of there, they put you in rows, right? There's like packs of twelve in rows as you're waiting to board your plane, which you go on an outdoor stair to get on the plane, right? It's not an indoor airport; it's all outside, and. Uh, so you're telling me when you got to that airport on that Sunday, you had to be, and it was 90 degrees, the sun was blazing, and you were strung out on a three-day seasick bender, and you yeah. drank 6,000 beers. What was it like when you were standing in that line in uh, Punta Cana at the airport waiting to board that plane in the searing Caribbean sun? <laughs> I was ready to go home. I mean, there was no doubt at that point. Like, I tried to power through that last day. Like, that Saturday, I wasn't going to spend the whole day in the room. So, you know, I took myself out. I tried to indulge in a couple of presidentes out on the, you know, out on the, in the pool. You know, I was trying to get things going. And, you what know, happened? I just didn't, I, I wasn't myself. Like I was, I was a, a thousand percent. I was going full throttle from Sunday to Thursday. And I mean to tell you, I had a great time. We had this golf course to ourselves. There was a golf course next door to the resort. I mean, I'm playing golf every morning. I'm at the when pool you, by 430. You, it was outstanding. When you, went out, when you went out on Saturday and you were, uh, you know, trying to give it the old college try after you'd already had a really bad Friday and Saturday morning. And then somehow you just pull yourself out of the room down to the pool area, the wet bar, the pool par, you know, the whole deal. And then, uh, and then they got the, the tiki bar out by the beach and you're, you're trying to get in some presidentes. Did you get like, uh, did the motion come back of the up and down on the boat? Did you, did it come rearing its ugly head again on Saturday when you went to the college effort into the you know the third presidente in the Syrian Canadian or excuse me Caribbean sun did that did the uh did the ship to shore did you start going up and down again like on the boat I, I didn't get too much of that on Saturday it was just all that Saturday was was like just I just didn't feel like myself like I was just trying to wash away the pain and just try to just drink it out of me like I was just let's just get this out of here it's my last day here let's try to party a little bit and I just never felt right. Like, you know how your body just doesn't feel right sometimes? That's just how I felt for those two days. Is that the only time you've ever been on a deep sea fishing trip? Or like, even it's, in, it's the only time, and it's the last Long time. Island? I, I won't go. Oh, no way. I won't go on any. You you want to go out fishing? Go by yourself. I, I ain't going out on any kind of fishing boat. You're trying to sell me some deep sea fishing uh, garbage. I got no part of that whatsoever. You want to catch – You if I want to catch a fish, I'll go down to the market. Okay, I'll go pick up a fish over there. That, that's where I'll get my fish. Okay? Is that where you get your salmon? 
Yeah, I'll go pick up the cod for, you know, I make a little fish and chip at home. You know, I'm going to go pick it up down at the market. I'll go down to the marina and I'll pick up the fish. You go catch it. Because I ain't going to catch it. You deal with me and the cruise ships, right? I won't go on those anymore either. I know. You had a bad experience on those. I had one on my last one too, remember? I had the same thing. They We didn't even go to the last two stops. They turned us around because of that storm. I had to sit on the sit on a boat rocking up and down for two days when the, and you know no stops at any of the places. It's we were fun either. Those, those are the, and, and how about how they toss those big boats around too? Like you can be on your buddy's fishing boat. That's way worse. The fishing boat's a lot smaller and lighter and you're talking about just you know being on there with like eight, ten guys or six, eight, whatever it is. And you're going up and down like a roller coaster. But when you're on one of them big, you know, four or 5,000 passenger cruise ships and those oh, things man. start going up and down 40 feet, you you're know right. you're in serious Atlantic waters in the in the winter or whatever in a, in a storm. It is brutal, bro. And then you are trapped and then they then they like confiscate your island trip you're uh, you're gonna yeah. go to this island that gets canceled you're at their mercy and then you're like stuck in your cabin and you're stuck at the dining uh and meanwhile i was in like a high-end vip areas and i was like uh you know paid big bucks to be on this thing and then i still was in a this, you know the fancy private restaurant what's the difference it sucks you're sitting there you're trapped you're in hell i told you when i got off of that boat that day I'll never forget. It was the worst nightmare ever. And I said to myself, I'll never do it again as long as they live. So whenever I hear all these people trying to sell me their cruise ship vacations, I want to puke. Like no, I went man. on a real good <laughs> bad one. The bad one sold me down the river, man. I am done with those things. I felt like I was at uh, San Quentin. I was in prison, except I had and food and booze. It was we during the one mine was where the, where the boat was rocking up and down. You know, we're on the top floor where they have the buffet, you know, all the way at the top of the boat and the boat starts going up and down. And, and it's like, you know, things just start flying everywhere. I mean, there's plates flying off of tables. My beer starts sliding. Olivia was like 14 months old at the time. Her chair starts rolling. I didn't know what to grab first. Olivia or the beer. I didn't know where to go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a fan. I, I'm not a fan of it, but I've definitely been, uh, I've definitely been out there uh, deep sea fishing a few times. I've definitely been out on a lot of boats. Uh, I told you I sailed in the South Pacific, right? I, I sailed the uh, uh, French Polynesian Islands, Papua Rea, Maria. I did that for a month. I lived on a yacht, an 80 foot yacht, and it was crazy. I was on there with a bunch of savages and drunks, junkies. It was unbelievable, man. It was a trip, but I had a I had a blast. I mean, I partied like a rock star, man. I was like Keith Richards on this thing. I was diving into uh, past the equator. I was chilling the most in see-through glass water in, in Bora Bora. Are you kidding me? Chicks skinny dipping, people smoking trees, drinking all kinds of Mai Tais. Are you kidding me? I was naked within days. Meanwhile, uh, Pharrell on a bench, uh, System of a Down, another uh, friend of uh, the show, 
Those dudes love Pharrell on a bench. I I love that band. They're great. I you know it's the weirdest thing. You know what they remind me of, Garber? I, like a band when you first heard them, you're like, you know, I just so violent. I just don't have time for this. Uh, I don't dig it at all. And then right five, ten years later, you just can't get enough of them. You just like when you listen to the albums that you didn't like, you love them now. That's how good they are. You just I can't. Every time I hear System of a Down, I like it. I always like them. And when I'm like playing ball and I got the earbuds in and the whole deal is going, I got just, I love when I, every time I hear a system of a down song, I start just jacking 30 footers. I can see how excited uh, Carver High is about the band. <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing a couple things here. My apologies. I had a couple right, things so going on. Am I, am I missing out on anybody that you wanted me to talk to? I, I don't think so. The no, Devils, no, we're, we're good right now. We already took care of all that. The Devils on this night in 2000, they uh, beat the uh, Stars in double overtime to clinch the Stanley Cup. And then on the same night, uh, going back to 96, Uwe Krupp, who was, I told you, my neighbor. He was my uh, one of my neighbors. I knew uh, Uwe and his kid who I think is a hockey player as well. I think he, my guess is he made it into the league. Uh, you could check that. I could be wrong, Carver High, but Uve had a kid, I think, that uh, was a star, definitely high school player, college player, whatever. And the word was he was going to the NHL like his dad, right? But anyway, he had the honest to go in triple overtime, given the avalanche and one nothing win over the Panthers and a, a, a sweep of the Stanley Cup. Uh, finals on this night. And what is it, Carver High? Am I wrong? Yeah, his son is Bjorn uh, Krupp. Yeah, and what's his deal? Uh, he's played played for the Avalanche a little bit. Oh, just like his dad. I called that tonight. So I went to see that kid play high school hockey, right? And um, he, yeah, oh, Dutch League. Anyway, I saw him play high school hockey, and uh, I think he was probably 15. And boy, could this kid skate. You can always see it, right? The the guy that plays in the league, he has a kid. The kid grows up. Next thing you know, the kid's skating. Next thing you know, the kid skates better than everybody else. I mean, power skating. Like, you know, dad is in the NHL legs type skating. And you can see it. And and I, I see it now. I've told you these stories on the air. I went to see this kid play. He plays at Bergen Catholic in uh, North Jersey. He's a high school uh, hockey player. Um, and no names. I don't want to get all involved in all that. But this kid, um, he's he's going to the NHL as sure as I'm sitting here. He's the number one rated uh, player in the entire state of New Jersey and one of the top ranked national players. Uh, he does the U.S. national team stuff in Michigan. He's uh, he's a star. So I go to see him play one night, right? And everyone's talking about the kid. And then they're watching him, too. Scouts, everybody, the, the league, everyone knows about him. And uh, the kid, uh, so I go out and watch him play, and they got, they're like triple teaming him. <laughs> I mean, this team they're playing. They sent three goons on this kid to, like, break his legs. And then, uh, you know, hit him with a stick. Let him know you're there. And then, uh, so I saw him, he didn't have a big night, but when the game started, they dropped the puck and this kid jumped, uh, and started skating faster than anyone on the ice. So like the, they dropped the puck and he stole the puck at center ice and he jumped over the, 
the line and he was off and, and racing in and he came cranking a snapper at the goalie's head and he missed a high and left right over the crossbar. But he, he ripped about a 90 mile an hour jacker right at the guy. And, um, I was like, you could tell right then and there, I could tell that he had the legs and the skill to play in the NHL. I saw it right in front of my very eyes. And then the rest of the night he got gooned up and triple teamed and couldn't do anything. And the team got stomped and they lost, but you know, some nights a kid will get tripled or doubled and he won't do anything. And other nights he'll get doubled and he'll score a hat trick or whatever and have two assists, uh, you know, have a five point night, whatever. But you just never know what you're going to see. But I, I always look for uh, Carver High to skates, you know, the feet, the footwork, the hands, the, the do they have that wand, that eye hand coordination, the stick handling, you know, uh, deflect the shot out of midair. Do they have it at a young age and the, yeah. and the feet? And if they have that, those two skills generally, and if they have any kind of a brain, uh, if they have that kind of an advantage with those skills, they can make it. Yeah, absolutely. When you talk about the skating and the, and the hand-eye coordination, those are the things that um, you, know, you need to have right off the, the jump. And even the guys that we've, – we've had this talk so many times in the past. Like even the guys that are quote-unquote you know, the goons or the guys that just show you – know, fighters. There's not as many as in the NHL now as there was back in the day. But even those guys, you know, those guys, even though they couldn't score as much as other players, they can skate. And they have hand-eye coordination, and they can do those things, and they're NHL players for a reason, and they would show up at any local rink, and absolutely, the biggest goon in the NHL could show up at any local rink and just absolutely house them in a skilled way. Like, that's right. they, they have it. They, they, they have that hand-eye and that foot speed. They just don't have it as good as maybe, you know, the elite players in the league, but they do have it to be in the NHL. Yeah, and we've seen that. Like one night we were at the game and we saw Reeves, who's like, when you think of him, you think he's the worst player in the league. You're like, that guy got no skill. He's awful. Uh, he's there to punch people in the face. Then what do we see? We're at a game. All of a sudden, this guy takes the third period face off, jumps over the line, scores three seconds into the third period. And I'm like, did that just happen? And you're like, I'm telling you, you told me the same story that night. This guy, when he was in high school, when he was a kid, he was so much better than everybody else uh, in the area. He stood out like a sore thumb and then went to the you know next phase, next level, and then into the league. And then he looks like the worst player on the ice, but he's still better than anyone you ever saw play, right? And and he, right. Uh, it just goes to show you how that team even, because he played for the Penguins at one point or another, there were so many players way better than him like the, yeah. the Vegas Knights have all kinds of talent way above his skill level that makes him look average but he would school anybody on a, a regular sheet and that's why a player like Ryan Reeves adjusts his game even though growing up in high school and through early levels of his of him playing even though he could absolutely dust everybody else and he could beat everybody else skill wise when he gets into a situation at higher levels whether it be junior whether it be the AHL whether it be the NHL he doesn't have the skill of a Crosby or a Malkin or, or any right. of these other guys, but he knows that he has the foot speed and the hand-eye and the other attributes you need to be an NHL player. So you think to yourself, how can I make myself an everyday player in the NHL? Let me get a little tougher. Let me throw the body a little bit more. I know that I'm not going to score 40 goals in the NHL. Let me try to be a guy that is a third and fourth line grinder who can maybe score 10 and and contribute in other ways to the team. And that's how these guys end up getting into those roles. 
I can't wait for uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs. What did you think of the uh, the uh, Tyson Fury announcement today that he's going to fight uh, Anthony Joshua twice next year and that he has one order of business first. He has to go knock uh, Deontay Wilder's head off again. Uh, and you know what? I, You and I saw him do that, and he obliterated him. And I have, after what I saw that night, I because the first fight I thought was excellent in, in Stables in Lipstick City. I was there with Mafia. The second one, I was at with you in Vegas, and I just thought it was, in the third round, I thought it was over. It goes seven, whatever it is. They stop the fight. He beats him yep. senseless. After what you saw, could you ever see that guy losing to Wilder again in some uh, bizarre way, or does he just do the same thing to him again because he's completely Completely inside his head now, and Wilder's afraid of that guy now. He beat him to a pulp. Yeah, I mean, he fights Deontay Wilder in the next uh, six to eight months, which is, you know, allegedly what's going to happen. I think that I'm not going to say he's going to beat him around the way that he did in Vegas back in February. Uh, I think the fight would maybe be a little bit closer to the one you saw at Staples, but I think that he still beats him. Um, he's the best fighter right now. And, and the, what I love about him is, is that he don't duck, you know, that's why I killed Wilder and Anthony Joshua forever. Those two guys should have fought two years ago, right? Scotty, when they were undefeated, Joshua and Wilder should have fought each other. They never did. They both kept fighting hacks. And then Joshua eventually got caught by Ruiz. Uh, Ruiz is a hack, but he had a, the night of his life, just like right. Buster Douglas did against Tyson back in, back in the day. You know, these guys have the night of their life and he beats Anthony Joshua so that tarnished him. And then Tyson Fury got his life together and got himself back, you know, into the fighting world after a couple of bad years of demons that he had. And he shows back up and he get completely and and listen, we going into that first Wilder fight, what did everybody say about Tyson Fury? This guy's a uh, drug addict, this guy's got no shot. Look at the size of him. You interviewed him in the hallway there at the Staples Center. And the size of size of him, you were like, he's got pillows on him. I mean, look at the dude. He was so big, but he came in with the drive and he came in with a plan. And then the second time he fought him, he just absolutely blew the doors off him. I don't want to hear about how heavy the gear was for Wilder walking to the ring and that weighed him down. He got his ass beat that night, and it's just that simple. Do you think uh, – I said this today on Coast to Coast that uh, Sports Grid should send us to London, to Wembley Stadium, to see that fight without a doubt. I don't really have any other uh, things to say. <laughs> it's just that oh, simple. You know, listen, that would be fun to go to that. Uh, but like we I told go. you too, I told you this afternoon, if those two guys fight, which, the, which obviously it looks like they're going to do now, and it's for the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world, that fight – has to be at Wembley Stadium with 90,000 people in both of their home countries. That is where that fight has to happen. I do not want to hear. How many Guinness do you think we'll have? Uh, Because I'll start drinking again if I end up in London. Because I haven't uh, drank in forever, and it would clearly happen. You know that I've already survived Vegas sober many times, but could I actually go to London and not bust off 100 Guinness? I don't know. That's hard, man. I know a couple of really good spots there, so I hope that the day does come. We'd have to take a little day trip, a little train up to Huddersfield, too, while we're there, right? Oh. A little Huddersfield trip while we're over? Oh, go see the town. See the family? Go see fam- all my family. We go to the doghouse. See my un- see my cousin Dave at the doghouse. We'll go hang out over there. Free dinner. Free dinner. <laughs> go down to the pub. All right, so what do you think of the uh, – it sounds like a plan. I'm, I'm bucket list city on that trip to uh, London and to Huddersfield. And then uh, – I mean, hell, while we're at it, go see Celtic. Uh, let me ask you, uh, uh, the 
you know, MLS uh, World Cup style tournament in uh, yep. July in Orlando. You know what? I'm actually because I think the MLS has sucked for me uh, personally, but I'm willing to uh, go all in, all chips in on the MLS tournament, which will be, you know, uh, stages. Round of 16, the whole deal, get down to the finals. Uh, it's going to be like a little mini, you know, American World Cup style tournament. I'm all in. I'm all in. Yeah, I'm, I'm all in on it, too. I think it's going to be good. I don't like uh, the re- the league normally, at least the way that they have it formatted. I think their regular season is a little too drawn out for how they finish it at the end. A lot of teams make the playoffs, and their playoff system is kind of dopey. They don't reward the teams that have great regular seasons. So I I like this World Cup-style thing they're going to do. A lot of people will not understand what the prize is, which is a spot in the North American and the CONCACAF Champions League where the MLS always gets their doors blown off. But it'll be fun. I think it'll be cool to have that World Cup kind of feel down in Orlando in terms of the format. It's not going to have the feel. Listen, there's no feel like a World Cup, but I liked how they're staging it, and I think it's going to be cool to bet on as well. Do you think that uh, if, like, the team that wins it, let's say they gets to go to the CONCACAF and the uh, Champions uh, League, their, you know, little uh, tournament down in Mexico, do you think, what are the odds, uh, the FanDuel odds on me ending up in a, uh, you know, Mexican drug cartel, like, kind of DEA type sting? Uh, (laughs) get a little go down for the uh, tournament end up in like a coke smuggling ring sent to a Mexican prison Pharrell the federales catch me at the airport in Punta Cana with Carver High and a hangover we'll come back and wrap up this hoagie and put some vinaigrette on it All right, Pearl on the bench. Uh, Carver High, how, do you think Rory's like a, a man's man, like a badass? Do you think he could rip a few Guinness and then hit a blunt and, you know, watch the sunset and, and just have, maybe have a few more Guinness and, and just be cool? Or do you think he's like after one or two, like a nerd and going back to his uh, hotel suite? Uh, I think that Rory could definitely party. Uh, I think that Rory Rory can party, no doubt. I think that after if he's won those majors, I think he's had some good times uh, at some of those pubs afterwards. Yes. Are you going Fanduel odds on uh, Rory? Are you going to go high risk with your boy Pharrell, like hitting that Marty Truex tonight? You think I'm going to uh, do anything with Kevin Na? Yeah, I'm in on Kevin Na. You talked me into a couple of it. I'm going to play him to finish in the top ten. I'm going to play him to be the uh, best American finisher. I'm going to play a couple guys that have won. Um, you know, Zach Johnson's won this. I know it was a long time ago, but he's won this tournament twice. He's played well on this course. So plus four, you know, plus 14,000 on, on Zach Johnson. I'm going to take a shot there with that. Uh, Spieth has played well here too. Watch out for Jordan Spieth this weekend. He might get back in the mix uh, and get something done. Uh, Rose has played well here. So watch those guys. He better get his uh, game back because uh, he's vanished. Like, I mean, uh, Justin uh, Thomas is uh, just sprinted by him. And uh, I'm just glad there's going to be uh, golf, actually. 
Let me ask you a real quick question. I don't have a lot of time. Uh, did you see the IOC saying they're going to ban any protests at the Tokyo Games in 21? You know, the, the minute I heard that, I said, good luck with that. The minute you tell somebody yeah. you can't protest, they're going to protest. Yeah, that's that's what always happens. You tell them you're not going to do it, and now you're going to see everybody's going to want to do it. So they should have never even made that announcement if that's what they wanted. So Roger's not going to play tennis the whole year. I think it's because he doesn't want any part of this COVID and these rules and all the BS and everything. And he's got a little tweak knee. So he's like, you know what? I'll just come back in, in 21 and still kick ass. Anyway, I'll see you tomorrow on Coast to Coast, 4 to 6 Eastern. Uh, check out the Sports Grid page on YouTube for all these shows. Great job, Carver. Hi, good night, everybody.